This is Lekka. I'm Lucy Dearlove. Even as I'm talking, I'm getting a sense of how limitless and exciting cooking is. As soon as you've figured out how something works, or as soon as you've mastered a skill, it's like, okay, boring. Boring. Next. So for me, cooking is a thing that has... You can never stop learning about it. Isabel is bright, but needs to apply herself. Isabel O'Carroll's school report had some variation on that phrase every single year she was at school. But it wasn't until much more recently, in her mid-30s in fact, that she was officially diagnosed with ADHD and was able to start to fully understand the many difficult experiences of her childhood, adolescence and young adulthood. Izzo is a friend of mine. We met a couple of years ago when a mutual friend added us to the same WhatsApp group. I know, could that be any more of a 2017 way to make friends? I actually already knew Izzo already, uh, if only by name and by internet presence. She'd written a piece a year or so before we met in the group chat that I'd read and absolutely loved. It was for BuzzFeed and it was uh, about three people living in the UK who had originally arrived here as refugees from Cambodia, Bosnia and Rwanda respectively. And it focused on the foods that they cooked to remind themselves of home. It was so wonderfully written and there were links to the interviewees' recipes that Izzo had written up. And I just thought the whole thing was a really great representation of brilliant food stories that don't necessarily get represented that much in uh, in kind of the food media in general in the UK. And as I got to know Izzo better, I realised this, this article was her down to a T. It showed what a wonderful writer she is. It accurately represented her capacity for empathy and kindness. But it also demonstrated beautifully how she centres food and how she's really good at understanding how it can be used as a lens to help us better understand things and people. Since Izzo was at school, cooking and food in general have been, as she describes it, a playground. She recently wrote a wonderful personal essay for Bon Appetit about how her ADHD has been a strength in the kitchen, allowing her to experiment and ignore the rules of recipes and break constraints. And I wanted to talk to her in depth about this because I have frankly eaten some of her cooking and it's amazing. And so I went round to her flat in South London to record with her. We were joined by her beautiful cat Louise, who of course had something to add. Oh, hey, Louise. Hi, mate. Do you want a microphone? That's true. That's also true. Yeah. Is the mic, are the mics going to pick that up? Yeah, but it's nice. I like okay. it. <laughs> Hi. She's so curious as well. Look at her little face. She's like, what oh, is what's this? this? I like learning about new things. All right, mate, chill out. Come on. What I was going to do was start off by talking about the term ADHD. Do that. That'd yeah? be great. I think that'd be a nice place to start. Um, yeah, so... I think a lot of people, when they hear, like, they think they know what ADHD is. You're like, oh, yeah, ADHD. And and then you kind of, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And they imagine, like, a seven-year-old on a table in a school jumping up and down. And then people... And, and, and it's really interesting because, actually, like, as is obvious with someone with ADHD, I've gone into, like, a total rabbit hole with learning about ADHD and so when people say attention deficit it's really annoying because 
it's not necessarily a deficit of attention. It's you can't control where your attention goes. You have loads of attention, like, and there's a thing called hyperfocus where people with ADHD will get into something that they're into and they'll do it for hours and they'll forget to eat, they'll forget to go to the toilet. Like, so it's not, it's not, I think lack of attention implies that you're like careless a little bit or like that you don't care about stuff. And it's just like, no, it's just very hard to like, direct yourself to the things that most people think are important also if you have ADHD you will have definitely been told you're doing all right but you need to try harder and it's so confusing because you're like but I'm trying really hard Mm. and I don't and I don't understand and 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 I think cooking has always been one of the areas in which I haven't felt that you know I will I will try and the results match my kind of efforts and and when you're when you're living in when you're living especially before I got diagnosed when you're living a life where you put in effort for something and no matter what you do there's always some aspect that feels like a failure partially because it might be a failure but also I think another aspect of ADHD is that people with ADHD are very emotional like huge emotions you don't have control over you everything feels like a catastrophe or not you know or you're really happy or you know that's kind of part of the emotional hyperactivity and so so to so to have a a a thing that you can do where you never feel like a failure where you always feel like a success and that's a success that kind of you can bring to other people that's such a powerful thing it's like oh you know what I didn't follow instructions. I didn't measure things. I didn't look at timings because all of those things are very difficult for ADHD. People like precision, following instructions. But I did this thing and it came out great and I did it on my terms. And that's so like, oh, I can do things in an ADHD way and still have it all work out brilliantly. I only got diagnosed this summer and it's made a lot of things just make so much sense. So I, I got told a lot when I was a kid but you're really clever. Why Why can't you do this? Why aren't you trying hard? And I was just really like, I feel like I'm trying very hard. Maybe I'm just like a terrible person. Maybe I'm not clever. Maybe I'm stupid. So yeah, deficit is such a, a misleading term. And then you've also got hyperactivity, which again, when I got diagnosed, my sister was like, you're not hyperactive. And I was like, do you remember that time at Christmas when I wouldn't stop playing Maroon 5? And you were like, I'm going to punch you in your face. And she was like, oh, yeah, okay. Like, there's emotional hyperactivity and there's, like, internal hyperactivity. So, like, if I get to a bus stop and I see that my next bus is in seven minutes, I feel like I'm going to set myself on fire or explode. Like, I can't. I'm like, ah! And, like, if I'm with my boyfriend, he's just like, it's okay. The bus is... And I'm like, yeah, but what are we going to do until then? I can't... Ah! Yeah, people think hyperactivity looks like a bo- a little boy being annoying to people. But if you're socialised as a woman to not be annoying and to try and be pleasant, you- it just lives inside you and it might come out once in a while. But people might, you know, you might be hyperactive all day and people don't see it. Maybe ADHD is most obvious in young white boys, but also that classic thing of uh you know the white male is taken as the kind of medical kind of gold standard of of what either like medication is needed or Mm. what behavior is like and it's like Mm. 
Female ADHD looks very different to male ADHD. I'm really a self-taught cook. I've been cooking since I was a child. Like I think one of the first things I ever cooked was bird's eye potato waffles in the toaster. That was like the first thing. It wasn't so much necessarily following recipes. Like I think I had a few child cookbooks. I had, my mum had like a Marks and Spencer cookbook, but there weren't loads of cookbooks in the house. It was more seeing something on TV. I used to be really into like junior MasterChef. So it was seeing something on TV or eating something and being like, okay, right, I'm going to try and make up how this is. Or being bored at home. Or like, sometimes my mum or dad would be like, here's a dish. And I'd be like, oh, I'm going to go away and add a bit more to it. Or I'm going to... So it's that in very incremental. And there were a few kind of milestone-y points. Like I think, I mean, I wouldn't eat this now. But I remember the first time going to my friend Sarah's house when I was 15. And she made like tuna sweet corn pasta with like melted cheese and I was like oh wow and then when I discovered brown rice it was like this exponential kind of food discovery and then also I guess I guess also my mum's French Iranian my dad's Irish going to France every summer was just uh, like cavalcade of food non-stop like it's you finish lunch and then you're already saying right what are we having for dinner and it fills up your whole these long summer days and so it's yeah, kind of taking elements of French cooking and then there's Irish cooking, which is a lot of like sandwiches. Um, but also if you've never had bacon, cabbage and spuds, you know, the the bacon cooked in the water and then the potatoes cooked in that water and then with a bit of mustard and some cabbage. And it's this beautiful, simple, heavenly kind of thing. So I, I guess there's always all these kind of influences. And then I went to a French school in London and the canteen was like my, it was like the only thing that I liked about school. I hated school so much. Every Monday you would rush to go and read the canteen menu and see what was on uh, at lunch for the week. And there was loads of stuff there. Like they used to do uh, like an amazing lamb couscous you'd have for lunch. And you have like a starter and a dessert because French people love to have a million courses. But like all of those things would be ticking around in my brain for like what can I cook what can I make what's like yeah or like um learning to make a white sauce as well that felt like a huge kind of milestone and then I think I got shingles when I was 18 which is really unusual so uh my friend Sarah again the tuna pasta woman she uh she gave me a book called the kitchen pharmacy which was like a really formative cookbook because it it has kind of grounds in like Chinese medicine and it was just like wholemeal, vegetable based, very healthy. And that kind of opened up a, another avenue. And I think even as I'm talking, I'm getting a sense of how limitless and exciting cooking is. And I think as someone with ADHD, as soon as you've figured out how something works or as soon as you've mastered a skill, it's like, okay, boring, boring, next. And I think it's... Uh, and it's really hard. And this is why I don't have a kind of permanent full-time job because once I know how to do something, I, I'm not able to motivate myself to do it. It becomes very boring. And it's such a struggle to kind of go in and be like, I'm so interested in doing this thing that I already know how to do. So for me, cooking is a thing that has, you can never stop learning about it. You, you know, there are so many different 
cuisines and methods and I I mean I'm I tentatively dip my toe into baking because it's so prescriptive and if you get one thing wrong you can ruin it but I'm sort of slowly kind of as I expand my comfort zone I'm like try try a little bit of baking so I do like banana breads or pumpkin breads because they're a bit less you know it's not like a sponge or something that's so kind of to me just feels so prissy and annoying and 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 I hate you yeah (laughs) it's just really like like I remember once trying to make a like this kind of Jack Daniels chocolate cake for a friend and I hadn't degreased the mixing bowl before putting in the egg whites and it was just this flat thing and I was like really come on really (laughs) whereas for me it's more just like um like you know you have a good palate and you know you can yeah, make something taste great. So you're yeah. like, just let me do How my am thing. I gonna mix yeah. this? So I do I do this kind of like sauce that I invented a few years ago, and I'm sure I'm not the only person to have ever done this, but like it's parsley and preserved lemon oh, I've had this. and lemon it's juice. Really it's good. really good, right? And olive oil and loads of garlic, and you blend it up and you can put it on you can cut it on a cauliflower and put it in the oven. You can do it with fish, you can do it with chicken, you can just have it with anything. I'm more interested in that kind of cooking. So well, I, I find it so like amazing to hear you talk about it in this way because it's your diagnosis was such a recent thing and you talk about it with such clarity and it makes me think about, I'm really interested in how it must have felt when you got the diagnosis. Yeah. Because it, it feels like you're just, the way you speak about it is like, oh, all of these things that I've always known about myself, but I could never explain them. Now I have a justification for them. And it, it almost, you shouldn't need that justification. Yeah. It makes everything fall into place. And it's like, oh. Yeah, I think it's, it's um, I, I don't think that labels in life are hugely useful. Mm. I, I think it's quite limiting to like, label yourself as like, I'm this type of person or I'm the food person or, or whatever. Yeah. I, I, I think it's kind of tedious and limiting to who, what the possibilities of you as a human are. And, and yeah. And, and I think, oh, I forgot what I was talking about. Um, so how, you, how, <laughs> how you felt when you got the diagnosis. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <It's fine. laughs> oh God. Um, so how I felt when I had, oh God, sorry. I'm just trying to come back to the point where my brain is willing to, tell me what I need to say like unravel the yeah. thread like come so, on oh god um we can come back to it if you no, want no no no. it's totally fine it's just it's really interesting now that I can actually vocalize my brain just went on a little thread because I was looking out the windows and then someone was walking past and then I saw the leaves flutter and I was thinking about leaves and I was doing that while talking to you and when you and explain it like, that, it's like, oh, of course that's exhausting and insane. But if someone doesn't know that, they're like, oh, why did you? Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, so I was saying that I don't think labels are particularly useful. But having said that, I think having an ADHD diagnosis was so useful for me because firstly, it was a huge relief because it meant that all of those years where I was like, I'm trying and being told at school like school for me French French school was very much you need to learn this off by heart you need to do this thing if you can't do this you're not trying hard enough and you're a bad person and we're not really going to investigate why like it was ridiculous I had an hour and a quarter commute into school each way and got to school I would always have a book so for me a hyper-focused thing is reading 
So I'd be like in my book world, got to school, walked to school, you know, been on the tube for ages, got to the school gates and was like, oh, I've forgotten my school bag. (laughs) I literally hadn't noticed the whole time and got into school. And this would be a school where if you forgot your pencil case, a child would be crying because they were like, I'm going to get in so much trouble. And I was just like, I, I... I am just prepared for whatever is going to be unleashed because I I forgot what my whole I fucking do? school bag. Yeah. And oh and God. it was just that like it was not a very great environment. And I think luckily for me because I was really into reading, I'm interested in everything. Like I was lucky lucky that like most school subjects I found fascinating. Mm. That they sort of just let me sit and draw while I listened and that was the extent to which I worked and I did no homework because I was just like because there's no consequences it's like what are they gonna do kick me out I'm not at work I don't have a job like it's school yeah like maybe they'll kick me out of school but then I would go to another school yeah you can't make me do this and also, like, there's consequences. You already have these consequences to yourself because you're constantly feeling like you're not, for whatever reason, like you're a bad... They're making you feel like you're a bad person yeah. or like you're not You're not trying hard enough. Yeah. It's almost like, well, those consequences are there already. Yeah, yeah. Are you, you, yeah, it's not like I'm... It's not like I'm... It's Yeah, you can't bribe me with the idea of, like... Uh, like oh you'll get this treat if you do this homework mm. and it's like well, I don't want I don't want the treat because mm. I don't want to do the homework because mm. I don't care like or or you know it's important for you to get good grades because if you get good grades then you can do well in your GCSEs and then your A levels and then you can go to university and it's like yeah. but what's the point I don't like it, it there's just no there's no bribing like I think my parents were like. Like, they'd say things like, you can't go to Glastonbury unless you tidy your room. And I was like, well, I can't tidy my room, so thanks. <laughs> you know? So I can't do it. And they'd be like, oh. And then and then my friends would come and help me tidy my room because they were like, we know you can't do it. And I think one of the most, the things I remember the most was my dad saying, oh, I get it. It's not that you don't want to tidy your room. It's that you can't. And I was like, oh, my God thank you finally like I am not a bad kid I would like to try and please I'm just not very good at doing the things that please teachers and parents sorry Mm. but then for me cooking was a way to please Mm. and it was so important and I actually quite like to please I would like to please but I forget things I'm late I'm disorganized I try very hard to not I try very hard to kind of keep a handle on all of those things but if you know that you're always in some way going to be letting people down cooking was a way for me to be like this is a way I can impress you this is a way that I can be in my confidence zone where I'm not feeling like a failure where I'm not feeling like I'm gonna let people down so for me it's it's such a it's like a haven of joy <laughs> you know do you feel the same way about cooking for yourself yeah yeah because it's 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 uh it's very meditative like it's something mm. that i can lose myself in chopping vegetables is so relaxing and then it's and then it's that almost yeah it is a meditative state you're chopping vegetables and then i open my spice cupboard which has every spice ever invented 
and I'm like, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? Could I add this? Is it going to work with this? Is this going to be like dicey? But why don't I try it? Like, it's really exciting, even if it's just cooking for myself. Like, I feel like I've never been one of those people who's like, oh, it's really tired and I couldn't be bothered. So I just had a bowl of cornflakes for dinner. It's like a game. It's like, how can I, how can I make... How can I make this fit? How can I how can I change this in this way? How can I play with it? How can I have fun? Mm. Um, you have a lot of confidence in the way that you can make things taste good, which has probably come from like years of experimentation. And, and improvising and also yeah. just opening my parents' cupboards um, and my mum being like, either my mum working late or my dad being out or whatever yeah. and opening the cupboards and being like, right, we've got tomato puree, we've got pasta, we've got some garlic, we've got that little plastic thing of Italian hurt you know <laughs> and it's just like right how are we going to make something really nice from like whatever mm. is in the cupboards and um and I think for me cooking is also another way of I don't think people realize that people with ADHD might look like they're daydreaming but actually they've gone to like a million different places in 30 <laughs> seconds and then and then like and then they're back and they're like huh and people are like concentrate and like it's very easy as someone with ADHD to feel stupid mm. because normal people will go from A to B and they're like oh you start here and you end here and then people with ADHD will start at A and then they'll go to F and then they'll go to N and then they'll do this cool trip around XYZ and then they'll go and they'll end up at C and people will be like no you're supposed to be at B and it took you so much longer and you're at C and you're like but I did all that I did all this other stuff. And cooking's a really w good way of being like, but I did all this other stuff. It's because of the physical manifestation Yeah, of it's it. a physical yeah. manifestation. And so it's not, it's not like you're bringing something to the table that's A to B. So people are not like, what have you been, uh, like people can actually see you're working and see where you go with stuff and where you take it. And mm. that for me is really... Uh, yeah it's really rewarding and it's just yeah to be able to have that confidence and not to feel stupid or less than yeah it's so important I feel like maybe there's been a slightly increased consciousness I mean in the very mm. like basic sense about the uh, the relationship between ADHD and cooking I mean I'm thinking yeah. specifically Loyal like Carner. Carner. yeah, yeah. and that was because this was it was around a similar time to maybe I started Lekker that I read about that and that was exactly the sort of story I was interested in because it's like it's this process did you feel like when you read about the cooking school you were like oh yeah that totally like that I totally yeah. get that that makes total sense to me yeah I was like of course you make music and of course you also do this other thing and of course like <laughs> you know one of one of the things of being diagnosed was like oh of course I cook all the time and I work but I work part-time but I also do other like freelance stuff on top and then I also do ceramics and then I also it's like oh of course of course it all makes sense and 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 I think it you know I've I like I love I love Loyal Karna I think he's a really good kind of poster boy for ADHD and for the 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 possibilities of what someone can with ADHD can achieve and I also think it's really interesting hearing him talk about his experience having grown up being diagnosed with ADHD quite early on and mm. obviously not carrying around as much sh shame mm. is really fascinating you know talking to one of my friends who had dyslexia which is different but but you know it's all kind of in a in a sort of similar family but she used to say that she used to write essays at school and where she couldn't remember the word she'd write the first letter in blank 
and the teacher would fill it in because they were like you're dyslexic we know that you're trying your best within and I was just like whoa because I always remember at school we used to have to do a lot of dictation mm. and processing information is an, a very difficult thing for people with ADHD hence not being able to follow instructions but I was always catching up and I was always looking over my shoulder to see what the person next to me was doing because I was like, ah, it's all too fast. Wait, listening into the brain, out of the hand. What? <laughs> it's just like, and then, and you find yourself, you find, like I'd always find myself writing the last end of a word before I'd finished writing the start because I'm, oh, I'm like yeah, skipping. Your brain's just working like that. Yeah. But there's and no allowance for that. No, because to me it was just like, you're just you're just not trying hard enough you're just not yeah and it's yeah but so it for me I I see what loyal Karna do is doing and it just makes me really happy and I see like people like Gizzy Erskine who just got diagnosed this oh, year really? as well yeah with ADHD and I'm like of course and I see someone like Heston Blumenthal who's like I'm gonna make this pate into a fucking orange and it's like of course you've got ADHD like, of course, you're going to take something that's food and turn it into something else and be like, surprise, you know, it's, it's, uh, I think it's like food is such a universal elemental medium. And it's one in which you can be completely instinctive, which for people with ADHD is such a valuable thing. Like, I don't have to walk into my kitchen and be like, right, how many tablespoons of this do I need to set on at this time? temperature for you know and I will you know I will sometimes make an effort to to hit those precise points but it's just so so wonderful to to be able to operate in that instinctive way big thanks to Isabel O'Carroll for guesting on this episode Make sure you follow Izzo on Twitter and Insta because she posts loads of amazing food stuff. I'll link to her profiles on the Lekka account. So make sure you're following that as well at Lekka Podcast on both. And if you are already following the Lekka account, Izzo will actually be a familiar face or voice to you because she spent the past couple of weeks taking over the Instagram sharing all the things that she was eating while she was on holiday in Italy. And um, if you think that you have an idea of what someone might post while they're on holiday in Italy, uh, you might be surprised. Um, This was a really nice educational thing for me as well. I found out all about uh, Sagre, which are Italian food festivals. Uh, Isabel and her boyfriend spent a couple of weeks in uh, Grotta Mare, which is in the south going to loads of these food festivals which are advertised by posters all around Italian towns and villages. They serve all kinds of things. Each one usually serves a particular dish or a particular type of food and it's just an amazing thing that I had no idea existed. So I really recommend going back through the grid and uh, having a look at all the things she's posted on there. And also do follow Isabel's Ceramics Instagram. She makes really beautiful things out of clay and you can see them at Atelier OC on Instagram. I'll also put some links in the show notes to the pieces that I mentioned in the intro that Isabel wrote for BuzzFeed and um, her recent ADHD piece for Bon Appetit because I highly recommend reading both. Thank you again to Izzo and thanks to you for listening. And remember, if you enjoy Lekker, The following things are always massively appreciated. Sharing, rating and reviewing. And that's just so more people can discover the podcast. See you next time.